Welcome to the Bedford Alliance Church Bible Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Luke Cugino, your discipleship pastor and host. This podcast follows along with our church-wide reading plan, which walks you through the entire New Testament and gives you an overview of the Old Testament. Join us as we dive into God's life-changing Word together. Hello and welcome back to the BAC podcast. I'm Luke Cugino, and as always, I'm joined by my favorite co-host, my only co-host, <laughs> Pastor Ryan Wright. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing today, Pastor Ryan? I'm doing good. Good. Well, remember, we are following along with the New Testament part of the reading plan, and this week we are reading Galatians 3 through 1 Thessalonians 1. Uh, so I know we are we just got into 1 Thessalonians, but we're going to really focus on Galatians here today. So what I want to do first mm-hmm. is just recap Galatians a little bit. So remember, Paul and Barnabas, they visited different cities in the region of Galatia on their first missionary journey. We learned that from the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. And while they were there, they planted some churches. But then soon after they left, there were some false teachers who infiltrated these churches. And these false teachers were doing a couple different things. One, they were discrediting Paul and his gospel, but they were also saying that to be saved and to really be part of God's family, you needed not just faith in Christ, but you also had to be circumcised. It was faith plus circumcision or faith plus works. And it appears that the Galatians started to to fall for these beliefs yeah. in, in some way. And you might think, how did they fall for this? But remember, they're newer believers mm-hmm. at this point. And so they were being tempted to think that adding works to the gospel made them, in a sense, more spiritual, I guess you could say. And I I think we all struggle with this at times. So basically, their childlike trust in Christ was being replaced by attempts to keep the law. Yeah. So Paul responds to this error in this letter, and he's pretty upset. And as we talked about last time, his main point is really in in chapter 2, verse 16. He says, We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So that's his main point, and almost everything he says in this letter relates back to that main point. Now, Pastor Ryan, for context, I think it would be helpful if we explained at this point a little bit about the Jerusalem Council. So do you want to give us maybe a little bit of background on that? Yeah, let's share a little bit about the Jerusalem Council, but I know you were touching on it, but I think maybe giving a little bit more in-depth of the backstory may be helpful. Okay. I mean, because sometimes we don't relate with this right. kind of stuff because we're not thinking about temple worship, we're not thinking right. about, you know, dietary laws, but, right. you know, back with in the Old Testament and, you know, the time of Jesus, uh, Gentiles were considered unclean or really unacceptable to mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And so what they could do is a Gentile could enter into the Jewish faith, but right. for a Gentile man to enter into the Jewish faith, he had to be circumcised. <laughs> he had to commit to following the law, and I mean, more than just the Ten Commandments, we're talking about the dietary laws, I mean, no more eating bacon. Hundreds no, of laws. <laughs> yeah, no more ham, couldn't work on the Sabbath. Yeah. And if they were to convert like this, they were known as proselytes. Mm-hmm. Now, how would you like that for your membership list? <laughs> I was going to say some people think our membership requirements are tough. <laughs> a lot of women in the membership le- uh, yeah. class. That's no for sure. men, that's for sure. <laughs> now, uh, some Gentiles, you know, they go, ah, oh, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going all that uh, way. You know, right. That's a little too steep for me. Too so much. 
some Gentiles, they would like worship the God of Israel, but they didn't become circumcised. They weren't going to follow the Old Testament laws, dietary laws, keeping the Sabbath. And they were known as God-fearers. So mm-hmm. when you read about God-fearers, that's what it's talking about. Right. But the Jewish people didn't recognize this group as being right before God. They uh, still consider them unclean, mm-hmm. unacceptable. So mm-hmm. now look, let's look at how this story goes. When Jesus died and he rose again, many Jews became Christians and they saw Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. Right. So they didn't really see themselves converting to anything. This, this was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. But now look at the problem. With the Christian movement moved from, it started to move them from Jews having a relationship with Christ, but now Gentiles entering into the church. Right. So the question then is tension became is, what does a Gentile have to do to be right with God? Mm-hmm. Now, what Paul said is for a Gentile is all they have to do to be right with God, but it's also the same with a Jew, is simply to have faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Works do not make us right with God, it's faith. He even makes this point, even when you're reading in Galatians, that's what he's talking about when he's giving about Abraham. Now, the law wasn't even given till Moses, right. which is long after long Abraham. After Abraham. Yep. But how was Abraham made righteous? Through faith. It was through faith, and that's his point. Right. Now, so Paul and Barnes, like you say, they're starting to plant churches in Asia Minor in a region called Galatia, yep. and uh, the church is starting to be comprised of both now Jews and Gentiles. Mm-hmm. They're putting their faith in Christ. So these, what they call them is Judaizers. Yep. These, these Judaizers are the circumcision group. They would follow Paul, like you were talking about, and they would start saying, you know what, this guy's teaching is false. In fact, he's not a real disciple. I mean, he mm-hmm. wasn't even part of the 12. Right. And so... They began to teach that to follow Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, you've got to be circumcised and follow the law of God or of the Old Testament. Right. So you can imagine the amount of confusion that would start taking place among these churches. Oh, yeah. And so Paul, like you shared, started getting very upset that the Galatians were being, were being justified or being made right with God by faith. But now what they were trying to do is they were trying to work to earn God's favor. So the, the real question of the Jerusalem Council they're trying to answer is, what must one do to be right before God? Mm-hmm. What must one do to find favor before God? Right. And so this really became a very hot, hot topic in the early church. Right. So now talking more specifically about the Jerusalem Council, we find the Jerusalem Council, it's recorded in Acts 15. Now just to recap real quick what you said, so there were some Jewish Christians who believed that Gentiles or the non-Jewish people needed to be circumcised and follow the law in order to be saved. And like you said, Jewish people, they didn't see themselves as converting to a new religion. Mm-hmm. They saw Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament and right. of God's promises to Abraham and David, which he is. So they thought, how can you believe in the Jewish Messiah and not be Jewish? And not become so Jewish. that's the hang-up. And I, I think we miss that sometimes because our context is, is so different. You can see how they would struggle with this. So the Jewish believers wanted to require circumcision and following the law and we see in Acts 15, they have this council. All the apostles meet to discuss this, or, or at least the, the big guns, we should say. We have like Peter, you've got James, the brother of Jesus, you've got Paul, you've got Barnabas. They all get together to talk about this. Wouldn't you like to have a ticket oh, to be man, there? To be a fly on the wall in that conversation. Yeah, these are the heavy hitters. Oh, yeah. So what did they decide? Now, remember, as we said, there are hundreds of commandments in the Old Testament law. But here's what they decided, okay? They wrote a letter to Gentile believers, and this is what they said. They said, for it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours 
to not place further burdens on you beyond these requirements, that you abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from sexual immorality, you will do well if you keep yourselves from these things. Now, you might read that and think, well, that's, that's kind of weird. But remember, Gentiles had habits and customs that mm-hmm. were extremely offensive to Jewish people, especially their eating habits. They were very different than the Jewish people. So what the apostles are basically saying here is be careful of, of what you eat around your Jewish neighbors yep. and don't be immoral. That's, that's it. 600 and some down to a couple. Yeah, very simple. So the apostles didn't require the Gentile believers to follow the law. And Peter says something really important in this discussion. This is in Acts 15, verse 11. He says, we, talking about Jewish people, believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way they, meaning Gentiles, are. Mm -hmm. So the apostles are saying we're all saved by grace through faith, period. Exactly. Not through works. Now, to relate this back to the book of Galatians, this is really the same issue that's being faced in the the Galatian churches. But what's interesting, and I wanted to make this point, Paul never mentions the Jerusalem Council in his letter, which is interesting because it would have been very helpful to mention that the apostles, including Peter and James, the brother of Jesus, they all got together and they came to a consensus on this issue. That would have been helpful to mention. Mm -hmm. But this is why we think Galatians was actually written before the Jerusalem Council happened. So from history, we know the council happened in 48 AD. Mm-hmm. So Galatians was likely written before then. And, and just as a side point, I, I wanted to bring this up. You know, there are some people who claim that the gospel message was fabricated over time or it was this legend that kind of grew and yeah. grew. Maybe it started, you know, Jesus was this normal guy or maybe he was a good guy, but just a man. And then over time, over hundreds of years, this legend just continued to grow. Right. But here we have at most... 15 years after Christ, we have full-blown gospel theology being taught. 15 years from the death of Christ is not long enough for... And we know that Paul met with the apostles before this, within several years of Christ's death. So Mm -hmm. just, it's not enough time for the gospel to have been fabricated. This is something that they were teaching from the beginning. Right. But getting back to our, our, our main idea, really the main idea behind Galatians is we are saved by faith alone. So is there anything else, Pastor Ryan, that you wanted to kind of address under this this broader idea? Almost everything Paul says relates back to this. Is there anything else that you kind of wanted to highlight here at, at this point? I think sometimes what people get a little confused is what was the purpose of the law? Right. I mean, what was God doing? So, I mean, we know that he Paul talks about it being like a guardian. Right. But can you, I think it would be a good thing for you to, Luke, to share a little bit about the difference about what the law does and its purpose, but how that doesn't change our heart. Right. So, yeah, I think it's important that we kind of highlight the differences of the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. And when I say the Old Covenant, I'm referring to the covenant that God made with Israel. Right. And we find that in the Old Testament. Testament is another word for, for covenant. The Old Covenant, under the Old Covenant, Israel tried to keep an external law. There were external requirements that they had to mm-hmm. keep, and they always fell short. It, and the law, while it helped point out their sins and in some ways helped restrain sins, it never changed their hearts. Right. 
But then we come to the new covenant. When I say new covenant, what I mean is when, when Jesus died, he initiated a new covenant. Under the new covenant, when we put our faith in Christ, we now receive the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does is he essentially writes God's law, his moral law on our hearts. Mm -hmm. So he transforms our hearts. So rather than obeying an external law, he changes us from the inside out. Right. And this is what Paul is getting at. If you look in Galatians 5, 16, he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And he actually says the same thing in several different ways. He says, verse 16, walk by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Verse 18, led by the Spirit. Verse 25, live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. And notice these are all present tense verbs. It indicates a, an ongoing present situation. We need to surrender to the Holy Spirit on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Yes. And th that's really the primary way that we grow as Christians. It's not through primarily obedience to external rules. It's through an internal surrender. It's through us walking in step with the Spirit. I think, Luke, just to add on to that, how many times do we simply have a to-do list? Yes. And so we say, well, I went to Sunday morning church. Check right. that off. Yep. I read my Bible this day. Check that off. But yes. my, our hearts can be far from what God desires of us. Right. What he's looking for is our hearts. It's our hearts, ultimately. Yes, yes. not our to-do lists. Right. And I think if, if you think of it as a, a parent, even, and you can probably speak to this, Pastor Ryan, as a, a parent looking at your kids, what you ultimately want from them is their heart. It's yeah. not that you want them to do a checklist for you out of duty. Right. Ultimately, what you want is, is their hearts. We want right? a relationship. You want a relationship. Yeah, exactly. And when we walk in step with the Spirit, Paul says in, in five, chapter 5, verse 22, we will display the fruits of the Spirit. That's where those come in. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, yes. faithfulness, self-control. All of those are the result of walking in step with the Spirit. So I think it's important to say, Paul Paul says that we Christ sets us free. He sets us free from the law and from sin, but we're not just free to do whatever we want. We're not just free to pursue our selfish ambitions. We are now empowered by the Spirit to actually walk in step with Him. Right. So we need to make that distinction. We're not just set free so we can go and, and do whatever. We're now actually empowered to fulfill the law, in a sense, by walking in love and peace and patience, kindness. If we're walking in love, do we really need to worry about the commandment not to murder somebody? Right, exactly. Yep. And I think going back as well to the, uh, the purpose of the law, I just wanted to highlight that a little bit because I think there can be some confusion here. Paul says the law is a guardian. Right, the law was a guardian. So what what he's saying is that the law, in some sense, helped point out sins. Mm -hmm. It made it very clear that humanity needs a savior. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it also helped restrain sins in some sure. sense as well. But the key thing here is the law was never meant to be what saved us. Mm -hmm. It was always meant to be temporary. And now Christ has fulfilled that law, and so now we put our faith in Him. Exactly. One other thing I, I wanted to address here too is I know some people might be confused by this. Paul makes an analogy to to show that we are saved by faith alone and not through works. Mm -hmm. And this comes from the Old Testament. I, I know some people might be a little confused by this. He compares Abraham's two sons. Right. Remember Abraham Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. Now if you go back to the book of Genesis, remember Abraham's wife, Sarah, was initially barren. She couldn't have kids. But the the tricky thing was that God had promised Abraham many descendants. Mm -hmm. So 
how does that work? That's that's a tough situation. So they kind of take matters into their own hands, and Sarah gives Abraham her maidservant, Hagar, and he has a son with her. That's Ishmael. So Ishmael, in a sense, is kind of a son through human effort. Yep. How many times do we do that? Yep. Take things we, in our own yep. hands. I'm tired of waiting for God, so I'm just going to try to come up with something on my own. But then God miraculously allows Sarah, Abraham's wife, to give birth to a son. That's Isaac. And it's through Isaac's line that God's promises are fulfilled, Mm -hmm. ultimately through Christ. So Paul picks up on this in Galatians 4. He says, we can only become God's children through his miraculous work and his grace. We can't manufacture it on our own. Abraham and Sarah tried to manufacture God's plan Mm -hmm. by their own strength, and it failed. So again, we're not saved through our own efforts in keeping the law, but through trusting Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, as we wrap up here, Pastor Ryan, I think... I want to kind of turn inward a little bit. We need to think about our own lives and, and kind of apply this to ourselves. Because I think some people might be thinking, well, I believe I'm saved by faith alone, so I'm good. But we need to ask ourselves, both as a church and as individuals, are we adding to the gospel? Yeah. And that may not seem, it might not seem like we are, because you're thinking, well, we don't have to deal with things like circumcision and dietary laws. But are we making barriers that keep people from coming to Christ? So our issues today aren't the same, but Pastor Ryan, do you want to speak to maybe certain ways that as a church and as individuals we can sometimes add to the gospel? Well, I think sometimes what we can do, especially as churches, is when you say like adding to the gospel, we make it difficult for people. Right. And when you speak of legalism, in many ways what we do is we make man-made rules and consider that what we have to follow. Right. And so how many times even in a church um, do people feel not accepted because of the way the clothes that they wear? Mm-hmm. And they think, well, we can't come to that church because I'm not wearing a certain attire. Mm-hmm. You know, so we add on to that. And what we begin to do, I think, is a mistake, is we, tr- we don't say this, but we begin to look down on people. Mm-hmm. Because they don't fit the mold that we think is righteous. So we think this is our standard. Therefore, if that person doesn't meet this man-made standard, mm-hmm. then guess what happens? They're not as good as we are. And that's where that judgmental attitude can come yes. into. I mean, you see it all the time. I remember as a kid, one thing that was huge was eating in church. Yes. That was taboo. Yes. You know, that became a pretty hot area is eating in church. Now, yep. I think a lot of times the that was just a tradition. Yes. The scripture doesn't say anywhere about eating in church. Now, I, I, do you know what they used oftentimes when I'd ask them about it? You know what the response was? It's about Jesus driving out the um, uh, the men from the temple. temple yeah. I, I experienced that when I was younger. I actually remember trying to take a mint into a, a sanctuary one time. <laughs> and I, I was told that in the sanctuary, God feeds our souls, not our stomachs. So I was asked to... Throw it away. <laughs> and it almost became like you were sinning. Yes. You were doing something wrong. You were wrong. not a good Christian. You were definitely not a good Christian. and You certainly weren't as good as a Christian as <laughs> I am, that's right. for sure. Right. But see, what happens is oftentimes we look into the into the scriptures and we, we don't see how it applies to us because we think, well, we don't deal with circumcision per se or right. not eating bacon or exactly. ham. But when you take the application in it, we all struggle with the same things. Mm-hmm. We have our to-do list. We begin to make man-made rules. With mm-hmm. our man-made rules then, we begin to judge other people by that. We think, oftentimes we think we're more holy because we follow these man-made rules right. and look down on others. Yeah. Think how judgmental we become. Yeah. I remember growing up, uh, if you... 
you just didn't want to smoke, you didn't want to chew, and you didn't want to drink. You could yep. gossip, you right. could backstab people, you could do all those things. That was okay. <laughs> as just, long as you avoided those things. As long as you avoided the big ones. Right. It was external. Right. And I want to be clear, it's it's okay to have personal convictions, but mm-hmm. sometimes, like you're saying, those personal convictions can turn into the standard, and it, we start judging other people by those standards. I remember my Uncle Dick was a... Um, he was a pastor, and he felt a conviction not to drink coffee because of caffeine. Mm-hmm. He always lived that way. Yeah. But on the other hand, he didn't make that a requirement for everybody else to live. That's exactly. what he felt God spoke to him about. That's the difference. And the way I like to think about this is we're okay if people are offended by the truth, mm-hmm. by the gospel. Right. Right. Because the gospel is offensive. It is. We're telling people, you're a sinner. You need a savior. That's offensive to many people. Mm-hmm. But but if people are offended by the truth, we can live with that. We're okay with that. Mm-hmm. But if people are offended by unnecessary things, things that we're adding to the gospel, we're not okay with that. Exactly. That's what we want to try to avoid. We share it's okay to offend there, but we don't want to offend them in the parking lot or exactly. offend them, you know, in the foyer on things that are needless because they have to wear a certain thing. I I actually knew a guy. He came to church uh, for the first time, and he was wearing a hat. And he was asked to to leave because he had a hat on. Now, thankfully, it ended up working out where he was able to come to know Christ and everything. But in that situation, Hmm. think about that. Turning somebody away because they're wearing a hat. They can't hear the word being preached because they're wearing a hat. One thing that I've had to do in my own life is analyze how much do I do things simply by tradition. Right. I was taught to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to change. It is. That's yeah. why I feel for these people in the first yeah, century. Exactly. Because we can look and think, oh, they are so goofy. I mean, that's so simple. But could you imagine your entire life um, honoring the Sabbath and all yeah. of a sudden now you're saying it's not that important? Yeah. How does this all work? The Jewish people had followed these customs and laws for, for thousands of years or tried to. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't always perfect, but they had lived this way for a long time. Being Jewish was a, an entire way of life. And then all of a sudden you have these Gentile believers coming along and you're saying all they have to do is believe in Christ and I have to do anything else. You yeah. can see where there would be a hang up there. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, what's going on here? They got the easy deal compared to me. Yes. What, well, I want to say one thing real quick too. When you read, if you read Acts 15, mm-hmm. it's tense. Yeah. I mean, it's not like just happy. It is a tough tough debate. Yes. When you read about Galatians and you see how Paul is responding, especially these Judaizers. He's upset. He's very upset. So sometimes I think what we do is we make uh, the church just seem so unreal. Yeah. These are difficult times and they're dealing with difficult problems. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I can only imagine the, the stress and the tension and I'm sure there were a lot of disagreements too. Obviously, Acts 15 doesn't record the entire conversation, but I'm sure there was some back and forth going oh, on here. I'm sure there is. Now, just to give kind of a, a three-point summary of Galatians, if we can do this real quickly. First thing Galatians teaches us is we're saved by faith alone, in Christ alone. The second thing that I really took away is the law was never meant to save us. It's temporary. So don't try to be saved by the law and don't try to make other people be saved through the mm-hmm. law. And the way that we really grow as Christians is through the power of the Spirit. We've been set free from the law, from sin, and now we grow through the power of the Spirit by submitting to him on a moment-by-moment basis. So that's kind of a quick wrap-up of Galatians. Now, I know we read one chapter in 1 Thessalonians this week, but I think we'll hold off on that for now. We'll talk more about First and Second Thessalonians next week, so we'll get into that then. But that's all for now. Remember why we are doing this. We want to help you get into the Word until it gets into you. 
and we want to equip you so you can go out and you can be a world changer. 